Good morning, Rose Bauer. It is good to see everybody this morning. We're going to begin in worship by standing and singing, Blessed Be the Name. is faithful amen let's sing a song that reminds us of his faithfulness to us great is thy faithfulness
exciting is that? I'm going to tell you that he's not a little boy anymore, but we've had that kid in team kids, Sunday school, children's church, Iwana, you name it, and he's been a handful. But praise God. <laughs> praise God. Now, this kid is, is heaven bound. I'll tell you what. How awesome is that? We love that kid. We love this family, and it's just a, it's just it's just an amazing thing when somebody comes to Christ and gives their life to Christ. So, uh, hey, uh, we're going to continue in worship with our reading of our uh, scripture verse for the month. October memory verse is John ten twenty seven through twenty nine, and it says, "My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me," is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Ian don't have to worry about anybody snatching him out of his father's hand. That's right. He is there. He has eternal life. Jesus has given him eternal life. That means he's no, he said he shall never perish. That means he's never going to be separated from God. He is now a child of God. And then it wasn't because of the baptism. It was because of what he did a few weeks ago. The baptism is just to show us that he was serious and that what he has done uh, in his life. So we're excited about that. If you haven't got a card, grab one. They're at the doors. This is our memory verse for the uh, month of October. And uh, it's just an exciting time. And I read that and I look at that and how just wonderful it is that Jesus, you know, when we hear his voice, we, we recognize it. And we have no choice but to follow him. If you truly hear the voice of Jesus talking to you, man, that's your only hope is to follow him. And you shall have eternal life. And no one shall uh, snatch you out of the, father, of the hand of the Father. So we're just excited about that. If you're, if you're visiting with us today, we're excited that you're here and you're just welcome. We, we, we just praise God. It's just a wonderful day already. And God's still working. He hasn't stopped yet. We still got a whole service. Just turn your, just turn your ears on. Turn your, just listen to God. Listen for his voice. And let him speak to you in a mighty, mighty way. So join me as I pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you. We thank you for the many blessings of the day. We thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house with your people under the instruction of your word. And I pray, God, as we continue in worship, Lord, as we continue worshiping through your song and through your word, I pray that you will speak to us. You will reveal yourself to us. And Lord, as we've already seen how wonderful and awesome you are, saving Ian Lord today is, is the day of salvation for someone in this room and I pray that you will, you will speak to their hearts, stir their souls in such a way that they will recognize your voice and they will follow you today and we pray all this in the 
precious, one of many, your son Jesus. Amen. Amen. I bet anytime we see someone get saved, that is a show of God's faithfulness to each one of us. Uh, this next song that we're going to stand and sing together, Is He Worthy?
song is such a good reminder to us of who the King of Kings is. At this time, when children come forward, we are going to go to Children's Church. We're going to finish our singing worship portion of the service here with this last song, the song of the month for all of October, Christ be magnified. If you'd like to sit, you may at this point. If you want to remain standing, please do. Were creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry, then from north to south and east to west, we'd hear Christ be magnified. Were the whole earth echoing his eminence, his name would burst from sea and sky, from rivers to the Just the doorway in 
Heavenly Father, we give you all the honor and praise and glory this morning. You're so faithful to us, Lord. You love us even though we're filthy rags, Lord. That we're so sinful in our flesh, Lord, in our nature. Lord, you, you made a way for us to make, be made righteous in your eyes. You sent your Son to this earth, Lord, to be born in the flesh. To live a perfect, sinless life. To be the ultimate lamb of God. To be hung on the cross, Lord. His blood to be shed. So that blood could be wiped all over us, Lord. So that you wouldn't see our sin, but you would see your son. Lord, we thank you for that this morning. We thank you for being worthy of our praise, of our worship, of all the honor and adoration that we could ever produce. Lord, we thank you for our lives, and Lord, I pray that you'd, you'd put a deep desire in our hearts, Lord, to live our life in a manner that, that gives you um, all, the, all the worship. Lord, help us to remember that we can live our life as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice for you. Lord, I pray that you'd give us strength to magnify Christ in our life for ourselves for those around us in this in this world Lord this world is so dark and lost help us to be your hands and feet Lord I pray for brother Justin Lord I pray you give him wisdom this morning I pray that you've prepared our hearts to hear a message from you Lord we love you Lord we praise you and we pray this in Jesus name amen you may be seated
you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want to ask you to turn with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, and we'll begin reading in verse 1 together in just a moment. Uh, but we do thank you for being here uh, on this day to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to worship together with brothers and sisters and to be encouraged, stirred up by one another is what the Bible says. And so we are thankful for that you are here. You are stirring my heart, encouraging me just by your presence here this morning. Um, we're going to jump back into the Gospel of John and our study through that. Last week, we thank Andrew for an awesome sharing of the Word of God and an encouragement and also a challenge to serve, to go and to serve and to be who Christ has called us to be. And so we thank him for sharing with us last week. And then we're excited this week about jumping back in the Gospel of John, jump into a very familiar passage, which is Jesus feeding the 5,000. Uh, this is the only miracle in all of the Bible that is recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is the only miracle. So it's a very familiar one. It's a very important one, evidently, uh, because it's recorded in all four Gospels. And that's other than the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, that is in all four Gospels as well. Uh, but here, and, and because what we know about the Gospel of John... It is, the Gospel of John is unique to the Gospel of John. It's all, about 90% of what we read in the Gospel of John is unique to John itself. Um, you know, the synoptic Gospels, which are the others, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that they have a lot of the similar Gospels that you or the stories that you read, but John is very unique, and that's the study we're in. But this story of the feeding of the 5,000, the miracle of Jesus providing for the 5,000, is recorded in all four Gospel accounts. And so it's really important for us to understand and to look at this passage with fresh eyes. Because Jesus here, as he performs this miracle of feeding 5,000, it's not just a stunt or a gimmick in order to draw a crowd. It's not just a stunt or a gimmick in order to draw popularity or fame for Jesus. The reason why, what we're going to see in this text, is Jesus performs this miracle and he feeds the 5,000 is to re reveal his true identity that he is the Son of God, that he is the Christ, that he is the Messiah that they were looking for, that they were longing for, that they were expecting, that he is, in fact, God, the Messiah. There is none that has come before him that is greater than him, and there is none that will come after him that is greater than him. But he is the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah. So keep that in your mind as we read through this text and we look at it with fresh eyes. Also, I want you to kind of keep in your mind as well, if you can remember in John chapter 5 when we were there, it ended with, John, with Jesus and John ultimately talking about Moses. Remember the Jews... They looked to Moses almost like an idol, okay? Moses was the one they looked up to. It was Moses that they had been told in their family heritage that had led them out of Egypt and the slavery and had led them in the wilderness for 40 years and had cared for them. And the law of God was given to Moses. And so they really look up to Moses. I mean, I guess you, I, I saw one commentary record it this way. You look at the United States of America with George Washington, right? The first president, not only that, but we've got a capital named after him, a state named after him, we've got roads named after him. Like, the United States of America thinks a lot of George Washington as a founding father of this country in a way. And what, what this commentator was saying was, for the Jewish people, Moses was more than that. Moses was more than just a George Washington to their culture, to their religion, but he was almost like the Messiah in a way. 
And so Jesus comes and is greater than Moses. That's what he's sharing with them. And so this passage here we're reading, the feeding of the 5,000, also mirrors a passage from Moses when they were walking in the wilderness. Remember when they were walking in the wilderness and they didn't have anything to eat? And in the wilderness, in the desert, you can't grow food there, right? You can't grow plants in because it's desert. It's a wilderness for a reason. And so what happened? God provides manna, and it comes down every single day. And they're to get their baskets, and they're to go out, and they're to collect the man and their food for that day. If they got any more, what would happen to it? It's full and rotten, right? They'd go out and collect it, except for when it was the holy day. And then they'd collect enough for two days, and it wouldn't rot when they would do that. Because they would rest on that day, and they wouldn't go collect out. But for 40 years, he provides food for over 1 to 2 million people in the desert by bringing manna from heaven. And Jesus comes, he feeds the 5,000, and it is a story and a picture of he's going to be greater than Moses as he provides not only for your physical need for food, but for your spiritual need for your soul. <laughs> that's who Jesus is, and that's what he's sharing with us in this passage. If you don't mind, if you'll stand to your feet, we're going to read this passage together. John 6, beginning in verse 1. It says this, after these things, Jesus went out over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up from the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in the number of about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those who were sitting down, and likewise the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled up, he said to the disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Therefore when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Let us pray this morning. Lord, we pray now by your power, your spirit, that you would give us help and understanding. God, I pray that your spirit will speak and teach to our hearts and our lives. And God, I pray that you give us fresh eyes to see this familiar text, that you may see the glory that you truly deserve. Bind Satan from this place and have your will in your way, for it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. There's two things that I want you to see in this passage we look at it together, um, and Billy, I'm sorry, I, there's my remote. I don't know if it worked, but I got my remote right here. First thing I want you to see is that Jesus is a Savior who supplies. 
Jesus is a Savior who supplies. <laughs> you see, after Jesus had been with the disciples, he looks up and he sees a great crowd coming towards him, forming around him. And as he sees this crowd that is coming, he looks to Philip and he says to him, Where shall we buy bread for all of these people to eat? What the Bible says is this is a test. This is a test for Philip. That right after that, it says that Jesus knew what he was going to do, but he asked Philip to ultimately test Philip. What we learn in Scripture is this, that God, our Heavenly Father, will never tempt us, but he'll test us, right? All temptations on planet Earth are a temptation from Satan, from this world, right? All tests, God tests us, our faith, he tests us in our life and our circumstances and things like that, that we may grow in our faith, that we may be strengthened in our faith. That's what we know to be true. And so it tells us here, this is a test for Philip himself. So he basically asked Philip, hey, look at all these people coming. How can we feed them? How can we feed? We got all these people coming. What we learn later is 5,000, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. 5,000 people coming, and he looks up. How are we going to feed all these people? And Philip responds by saying, it would take more than six months' wages for every one of these people to just get a bite of bread. If we were to take six months' wages, go out and buy bread, it would take six months' wages to buy all this bread for everyone just to get a bite. For everyone just to get six to eight months, for them just to get a bite, not even a snack. So what Philip is ultimately saying, Philip's mind is absolutely blown at the idea of feeding these 5,000 people that are coming. All the, the crowd that is coming. His mind is blown at the thought of the question, and the only thing he can think of in that moment is how much it would cost to feed this crowd. He don't even have an answer for Jesus. All he sees is dollar signs. All right. All he sees is, man, that would cost a lot of money. Man, that's not possible. That's, that's what's registering in Philip's heart and in Philip's mind about how much it would cost. You see, for Philip, he must have been a numbers guy is what I want to say. That he's the kind of guy that's in this world that when he goes out, he don't see things, he sees cost, right? He sees how much things cost. Like when you go to an airport and you see these gargantuan planes that are taking off, it's like, man, I wonder how much that thing costs. Or you go by a stadium in St. Louis and see Bush Stadium, it's like, goodness gracious, could you imagine just how much the light bulbs cost in that stadium? Or then you go by someone's house and, you, man, that concrete drive is like 800 yards. You know how much it costs just for concrete? Like all he can think about, all he can measure is numbers, and all he can measure is cost and how much things cost. He don't even see the things. He sees dollar signs. We all have some Phillips in our life that can measure that way, measure by numbers, and that's Philip here. He's blown away by the thought of trying to feed all of these people because it was going to be so expensive. And in his mind, it was an impossible task. It was an impossible task to feed all these people with the wages that they had, with paying for it. Philip sees Jesus' question as an impossible task or more so a potential problem. It's a potential problem. Like That is not anything, anything good. Could, that's not, 
We can't accomplish that task, Jesus. That's just too much, Jesus. But Jesus sees this task as a potential opportunity. And it was a really good word for me and a reminder as I was studying this text once again that what I see as problems in this world, Jesus sees as potential opportunities to minister and to serve. And that worldly eyes, humanly speaking eyes, we see problems, but God sees ministry opportunities. And so when we look in our world today, we are filled and flooded with problems, right? <laughs> as far as the eye can see, I mean, we're not having Christmas this year because there's going to be a shortage, right? That's a problem. That's what the world tells us. It's a problem. We're not going to have Christmas because there's going to be so much a shortage. You're not going to have everything you need. That's what that. Guess what Jesus sees? A potential opportunity to serve and to minister and maybe make Christmas what it was meant to be in the first place. <laughs> About gathering together with family and friends and loving on one another and remembering the reason why we celebrate. Like, could it be that God uses the problems of this world for some of the greatest ministries on planet Earth? And so it was such a good word for me because I am a problem finder, right? Have you ever seen one of those stud detectors, right? You, you put it on the wall and it'll tell you where the studs is. And every time you're around Howie, he'll put it on himself and say, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Found a stud. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of like that, except for I don't find studs, I find problems. And I look out and like, problem, 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 problem. I'm like a problem detector. And it was like when I was reading this passage this week, it was like God convicted me of what would it look like if I wasn't one that was detecting problems, but I was one that was detecting ministry opportunities? What if I was one that was seeing needs? meeting me, loving on those who are hurting. And like guess and more so is this, say I'm a I've got a fix it kind of guy. Like Jesus says, I don't need you to fix anything. I just need you to be available. I just need you to love and to share and to do the things that I've asked you to do. I'm not asking you to fix the world, Justin, because you can't, Justin. It's broken, Justin. But if you'll trust me, if you'll follow me. I'll show you that I'm greater and I've already overcome this world and that I have a plan that is already in motion if you'll just trust me. So Jesus, this potential problem, becomes an opportunity. But notice this, just as Philip has finished answering the question from Jesus, here comes Andrew. So here comes Andrew. And we've learned about Andrew already. And what we learned about Andrew is every time we see Andrew in the book of John, he's always bringing someone to Jesus, right? And, and we even said, like, Lord Jesus, make us more like Andrew. Lord, make me more like Andrew. That I'm, that, that, may that be said of me, that every time I see Jesus, he's bringing people to Jesus. That was Andrew. Here again, we see Andrew. This time, he's bringing a boy, a little boy. He's bringing him to Jesus. And so as Philip finished answering his question, Andrew pops up and he says, Hey, Jesus, I have this boy. And he has five loaves of bread and two fish. And it's almost as if Andrew is hearing what he's saying out loud and he thinks to himself how silly that really sounds. Because he ends his sentence with a doubt. 
He said, he ran at Jesus. Hey, Jesus, here's this boy. He's got five loaves of bread and he's got two fish. But then he said, but what good will that do with this being so many? What good will that do with there's so many in this crowd? He realizes what he's saying because in our common day aspect, what that would be is him coming to Jesus and saying, Hey, Jesus, I know you're trying to feed the crowd of 5,000. I know you're trying to re- re- feed the crowd. There's this boy. I found this boy, and he's got a happy meal. And, like, like that's, the, that's what it would have been like. Like, you know, if we had a happy meal today, not all of us would even get a bite of a french fry, right? Do they even give french fries and happy meals anymore? But anyway, there's a little bitty prize. We wouldn't even get him a bite. So in a way, that's what Andrew was saying to Jesus. And how silly that sounds, sounded that way to him. When it came out of his mouth, he realized, oh man, that was dumb. (laughs) You know, that's what he's thinking in his mind. And then he finishes his sentence by saying, but how far will it go with this so many people? No disciple gave it a thought to ask Jesus to provide for the food. Andrew starts with a really good idea of bringing what he has to Jesus. Like, that's the aspect we want to take from Andrew. Bring what you have to Jesus. You see, when we face, we're always facing problems in this world that are too big for us to solve and too big for us to fix. That's what we're learning from this passage. Let's take this away from this passage. In this world, we will always face problems that are too big for us to solve and too big for us to fix. When problems come, our human thinking, our tendency is to say, I've got to solve it, I've got to fix it, I've got to use my, or come up with ways to fix it. And like Philip, we forget who is standing right next to us. We forget whose presence we're in the midst of. And so we should learn from this passage, there is no problem that is too big for God. Yes, we will encounter problems that are too big for us. You know, we are advancing, what we would say, we are advancing in technology. We are advancing in medical equipment and understanding and all of these things. But guess what? No matter how advanced we become in technology and the medical lines and all that, that, that we are still going to die. There is nothing we can come up with that will overcome the problem of death. It is Jesus is the only one who's been able to overcome death itself. And not only that, guess what other problem in this world that we cannot overcome? Sin. Right? What the Bible says is that when we're born in this world, we're born sinful. There is none that is good, no, not one. There's none that is righteous. No, not one. The Bible says the wages of sin is death and the wrath of God for all of eternity. So we all not only have the problem of death, but we have the problem of sin. And that problem of sin is the wrath of God for all of eternity is what the Bible says. But Jesus has the answer to sin. Not only has the answer to uh, death, but he has the answer to sin. And what God does is provide for us what we could not do on our own. And that is Jesus comes in our place. He lives the perfect righteous life. He dies the death that we deserve to die on the cross of Calvary in our place for our sin so that now any man, woman, boy or girl 
who will confess the Lord Jesus and believe in their heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead shall be saved. So Jesus has overcome death. Jesus has overcome sin. And Jesus has overcome Satan. And the whole point of the problems in our life is to make us realize that we're not big enough to overcome our problems. That we have to look to one who is greater. And the one who is greater is Jesus. <laughs> and even the disciples that we're talking of here, they didn't give it a thought to ask Jesus to provide. I mean, here is the Messiah, the Son of God, who performs miracles. He has healed the sick. He's casted out demons. This is the Son of God who will rise from the grave. And they never thought to ask him to provide the food. And we're talking about the disciples here, right? This is not some weekend, half-hearted Christian, half-devoted Christian. These are men who have given up their livelihood. These are men who have given up their life in order to follow Jesus. And they have heard him teach. They have witnessed him perform these miracles. They have, they have walked with him day and night, but it never crossed their mind to ask Jesus to provide for the food. And the truth is, many times we're just like the disciples. When encounters, when we encounter struggles and frustration, difficulties, problems in our life, we immediately try to fix the life on our own, by our own efforts, by our own strength, by our own resources, our own money. And we have the Savior of the world who's, who's promised to provide for our every need in our midst. And many times we fail to ask him to provide for us. For one reason or another. One reason may be we feel like it's too small. It's too small. God is too big and too busy with all the things going on in the world that he don't care about this small thing in my life. God cares about every detail in your life. God cares about every detail in your life. And then sometimes we think, well, it's too large. It's too large. It's just got, you know, this world, it can't be fixed. It's broken. It's, it's too large. There is nothing too small, there is nothing too large for God, our Heavenly Father. The truth is, we have a Savior who promises to provide, and not only does He promise, but He will provide and supply for our every need. And so Andrew has the right idea here. He's bringing what he has to Jesus, and that's what God has asked us to do. You don't have to bring anything more, anything less. Bring what you have to Jesus. And how many of you know sometimes what we have is sin? That's what he expects. Bring us, bring him our sin, and he gives us forgiveness, righteousness, and the shed blood of Jesus to cover our sin. Bring Jesus what we have and trust him with the rest. So Andrew has this idea, but then, uh, but then even him, he, he doubted. So then Jesus, after hearing the two, he tells to have all the crowd to sit down on the green grass. He takes the five loaves of bread, the two fish. He looks up into heaven. He blesses the food. He breaks it, and he gives the food to the disciples to distribute to the crowd. And what the Bible says, it was enough food to be divided among the entire crowd. And we do know that the Bible said there was 5,000 there. Now, this 5,000 refers to the men. Most time in Scripture, when it gives you a number, it's referring to the men. And if you were to add in the women and the children that were also there, it would have been more so like fifteen to 20,000 people in this crowd. So he's feeding all of them, not just the men, but he's feeding all of them. So fifteen to 20,000 people, and God provides for all that there were, which leaves us with this takeaway. 
may we not look at the size of our problem, but may we look at the size of our God. May we not focus on our problem, but may we focus on our God. And I really know that's a good word for me today in the world that we're living in, where it's dark, it's evil, it's scary, it's weary, we're worn out, we're tired. May we focus on our God. And the more we focus on God, the more of God that we'll get. We'll talk about that more next week. So first is that Jesus is a Savior who supplies. But I want you to see this. Number two, Jesus is a Savior who satisfies. Jesus is a Savior who satisfies. That is, not only did God supply for your every need, but the Lord, our God, our Heavenly Father, He satisfies your every need. At the end of verse 11, it says that they were eating the fish and the bread. And notice how verse 11 ends. is They ate the fish, they ate the bread as much as they wanted. Can you remember in Psalm 23 and verse 1? What does the Bible say? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not, what? Want. That's right. Verse 11 says they ate as much as what? They wanted. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. This is Jesus proving that he is the great shepherd, and that every person ate. Every person was filled. Every person uh, was left with not wanting more, not needing more, not looking for more, but they were filled, which is what Christ does for us and promises for us. He doesn't just give them a little food to hold them over until they were able to go home and eat, but they ate and they were filled. I can remember the very first time I ever rode a commercial airline or a plane, for that fact. We were going to California. My uncle's funeral was out there, and we were flying from Nashville. And, and long story, but my plan was to stay in the runway and just wait for my mom and dad to come back from L.A. And then I would be right there waiting for them because I wasn't getting on the plane. But anyway, they finally got me on the plane. And when I got there, one of the things that helped me was they brought me a little pack of peanuts, right? And let me, but let me share with you, it wasn't a meal. It was barely a snack. It left me wanting more and actually left me a little angry, right? Don't get, tease me with just a small pack of peanuts. I want something hearty and healthy and helpful, right? Uh, well, Jesus didn't give just a pack of peanuts. Jesus didn't just give a snack to hold them over for a little while. Jesus fed them, and they ate, and they ate all that they wanted until they were filled, until they were made full, until they were satisfied. Jesus is teaching both the disciples and the crowd, and what he's teaching the disciples, ultimately those who believe, is that we must rely on Jesus to meet all of our needs. Not some of our needs, or not some that we can meet on our own, and some that only Jesus is the only one that can meet all of our needs. It's not our resources, our wisdom, our thoughts, our opinions, our abilities. It is only Jesus that provides and supplies for our needs and is made possible by faith in Christ, by trust in Christ. You see, sometimes we worry and get bent out of shape over the smallest things in our life, but the idea is this, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Bring to Jesus what you have. Bring to Jesus what you have. Your sin, your suffering, bring it to Jesus. Your worries, your uncertainty, bring it to Jesus. Your health, bring it to Jesus. Your best, bring it to Jesus. Your worst, bring it to Jesus and lay it at the feet of Jesus and he will fulfill your every need, your every longing, and he will leave you feeling satisfied. He will leave you feeling full, meeting your every need just as he does here. 
So much to the point it says they took up 12 baskets full of leftovers. That is, they couldn't eat anymore because they were so filled up. Have any of you been to Lambert's before? Yeah. Have you ever walked out of there wanting more? <laughs> Have you ever walked out of there and like, man, that, just, that was good, but it just wasn't enough. I'm really hungry. I wish they would have gave me more. I think they even say over there, if you leave hungry, that's your own fault, right? Because they continue to come around with the pass-arounds and the rolls, and they will absolutely stuff you until you walk up, and what do you always say? Man, I shouldn't have ate that much. <laughs> I'm too full. I'm about to throw up. Well, in a good way, that's what the promises of Christ are for you in your life, that you walk away so full. That there's no need, there's no want, there's no desire, there's no longing because you are filled with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He will satisfy you in a way this world can't. He will satisfy you in a way other relationships can't. He will satisfy you in a way drugs and sin and addictions can't. But that is until you've been made right in the eyes of God and have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, then we'll continue walking this world. Here's how the world walks. And this is why the world is so disturbed. This is why the world is so scared. It's because the world walks around and they're always looking for more. They need more joy. They need more money. They need more relationships. They need more drugs. They need more life. Something else, something more, something different. But it's only Jesus that can satisfy your soul. Is only Jesus that can solve the brokenness that is deep inside of our body that is hurting in our soul because of sin that we can't fully understand. It is only Jesus that can save us. So the reminder is to take our eyes off of this world, take our eyes off of ourselves, take our eyes off of others in the comparison game that we like to play, and focus squarely upon Jesus Christ. For it is by his blood we have been forgiven. It is by his blood we have been given the righteousness of Jesus Christ and we have become heirs with Jesus Christ, co-heirs with Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father. We have been forgiven, we have been cleansed, we have been made new. He is a shepherd who cares for us, who watches over us, empowers us, guides us, protects us, and provides for us. And he is a shepherd that satisfies our souls. And the only, all you need to do in order to be satisfied and be supplied. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 38 says this. Come to me, all who is weary, all who is heavy laden, all who is broken, all who is hurting, all who are scared. Come to me and I will give you rest. The only way you know rest, that is peace, that is a satisfaction that it is well with my soul. That is what rest, that is what peace, that is what satisfaction truly is. Knowing that it is well with my soul. Do you know Jesus beyond a shadow of doubt that he's Lord and Savior of your life? Are you satisfied in your soul? If not, I want to ask you to come. And if you are here and you do know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, who is it you can tell today about this Jesus? And may we use this as a reminder that Jesus is bigger than our problems. And when we face those big problems, may we focus even more so on Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for this time together in your house with your people.
we pray your blessings on the passage that was reading, that we have read and we have spoke about, that you would remind us of this truth, God. And I pray that that's what that is this morning. I know it was a great study for me to be reminded that you are the great provider, <laughs> that you supply our most every need. But not only that, God, you are above and beyond our supplies, but you satisfy our every need and our every longing. And God, I pray in this world that is so filled with darkness, sin, evil, and danger, Lord Jesus, may you help us to refocus our gaze upon you. Take it off of this weary and hurting world, and may our gaze be on you. And as we gaze upon you, I know that you'll lead us to love more, serve more, and be more like you. So, Lord Jesus, may we at this moment, this time, recalibrate our hearts, recalibrate our lives, recalibrate our vision, and may we focus on you. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to ask our deacon partners, will you come and we're going to be praying for the lost. Everybody else, will you stand? Anybody else who'd like to come and pray for the lost, we invite you to come. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have
Uh, Braden, if you'll come forward, and Mom and Dad, this is AJ and Kanisha, and this is Braden Parrish. Um, and he comes today, and he was sharing with us that he got saved. He makes a profession of faith to know Jesus, Lord and Savior of life. What do you say about that? I, I told him it's a little scary to come up in front of all you, uh, but you guys love him. And Amen. that you are so excited for him and that you're going to be praying for him on the days going right. forward. And you're going to be praying for mom and dad, too, as they continue to study the Bible together and know more about Jesus. And I told him we're going to talk more and find a time with mom and dad and, and be able to baptize him. Uh, so we're really excited. Be in prayer for Brain, And we're going to ask if you guys would be willing to stand at the door as people come by and say hello and, and, and wish you well in this journey uh, and come along in the discipleship journey. Uh, we'll do that at the end of service. But praise God. All of heaven is rejoicing Amen. that another sinner is willing to repent. Amen. All right. You guys may be seated for a moment. And then I'm going to ask Jimmy to come forward. And we got a, uh, and Miss Lori. We're gonna, and we got a presentation for Ian who is baptized today. And he's got the yellow mic. So Scott and I decided a long time ago uh, that we were going to wait to give our kids their own Bible for when they were baptized and were ready for that responsibility. So both kids have had their own Bible, but they were more hand-me-downs. Um, so we are presenting you with a Teen Life Bible, study Bible. It doesn't get easier from here. All your answers are in there, and all your support is right here. And you are going to high school next year, and that doesn't get any easier. But your support is spread out through there and in your youth group. So a lot of you wonder why Michael and I do what we do. It's moments like this. You know, you may think we're a little crazy at times for, you know, doing this. You know, Michael said this morning, Ian was a handful. He's a handful, you know, because I look him eye and eye now. <laughs> but Ian's grown up to a fine young man. And, you know, each one of us have a challenge here at this church is to pick our one. You know, and each year, you know, I, I have a survey that I have the youth fill out when they come into the youth group. And I ask them, you know, about, about them, you know, a little bit. You know, what, they, what their interests are. You know, just so I can get to know them a little bit. But one of the most important questions I've got on there is, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you ever accepted Christ as your Savior? And I use that, you know, list as a special group that I put on my heart to pray for. You know, and when Ian came in the youth group, he felt his, his answer was no. And I praise God today that it's yes. I love you, buddy. I'm going to be praying. We're all going to continue to pray for you. And uh, this is what we do. And that's what we're here for. Uh, also, I want to put in a little shameless plug. Wednesday night, youth beer at 6 o'clock. Uh, we're leaving. And we'll be late. So, getting back, Mom and Dad, so I just want you to know, okay? Yeah, we're going to Judgment House, and we're going to be going to Mayfield, so 6 o'clock, leaving, 6 o'clock. Amen. Oh, you don't need that. No, I can take it up here. 
Thank you. Thank you, guys. You may be seated. We've got a few more announcements, uh, but we are so excited for Ian and so excited for Braden uh, as they as they begin this journey of discipleship going forward. And uh, I do want you to know, uh, for me as your pastor, is you know what Jimmy was even saying that you know many of you don't see what Jimmy and Michael do, and you might wonder what Jimmy and Michael do. Um, but we have an opportunity every year we do a yearly evaluation with our staff and we sit down and we just talk about the last year and we talk about what we've done and what we could do better and what our hearts are and stuff like that and I can assure you you don't want no one else leading your children in youth ministry than these two men um, and it's for the very reason every time we sit down with them every single year I know for for a say Ian has been in that conversation for the last three years that he will come and he'll pour out his heart. And, and we, because the last question we always ask is this, how can we better support you in your ministry? And, and their answer is, they both, oh, they always have one or two on their hearts and their minds and say, I need you to pray that they come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. And like, that's what he said. That's what we, we're here for. And like, that's, that's what this ministry is about. For family coming to know Jesus and being equipped and empowered to tell their kids about Jesus because we got an awesome story here with Braden and an awesome story with um, AJ and Kenesha about Braden coming to know Jesus and, and, and it was at home. It wasn't down here up front. Uh, it was at home because mom and dad were prepared and able to share and we want to equip families to be able to do that and like the ministries that you have here at Rosebud Baptist Church are supporting and encouraging your families that we're so excited about. And so we're so thankful for them. Uh, I've got a few announcements. I've got so much I would like to share with you. Uh, October 31st is the last day for our River City Missions Project. And then November, uh, we're doing a mission project for Marcellus Kitchen, but it's only until November the 14th. We're asking you to bring in canned meat or beef jerky. <laughs> uh, those are what we are collecting from our, that's what they asked for. That's what we've been given. So it's, it's what they want, what they need. Uh, but canned meat and beef jerky will be until November the 14th, and we'll bring it in the four-year as well. Our Boys and Girls Extreme Sunday School class started today. If they miss today, this is first through sixth grade. If they miss today, please see me or Kendra. Uh, we'll get them filled in a loop, get you filled in. Uh, we're excited about that. Had a wonderful class this morning and excited about it. And Mom and Dad, they're coming home with a letter with a question and a stuffed animal. Uh, so if you have any question about that, please call me and let me know, and we'll help you out there. Um, Reedland Community Trunk or Treat will be held at Reedland Farley Ballpark, October the 23rd, beginning at 5 p.m. If you would like to sign up to put a car in or if you would like to donate candy, you can do that in the foyer. And we're needing six to ten individuals that will help Michael with um, dress up. We're, we're doing the bus. It's going to be a big trunk that we're putting together. So see Michael and he will help you out with that uh, and tell you what the details that he has. And then on November the 7th, we're having a, at 5.30, it's a Sunday night, 5.30, we're going to have a meal in the fellowship hall, and we're going to be meeting with the church planner named Vince Bissey. Um, he is from Alton, Illinois. That's where we went yesterday with a group that put on a block party in Alton, Illinois. He is planting Requiem Church that will be planting in the spring. And so we got the opportunity. His first launch yesterday of meeting the community was at the block party. We was able to provide some inflatables and some kids' games as they were doing basketball, and it was a wonderful day, so many great opportunities. Um, and so we're going to be meeting him on uh, November the 7th at 5.30 in the Fellowship Hall. 
we're going to eat at 5.30, 6 o'clock. I'm going to do a little interview with him. Then he's going to sh- do a little Q&A, and then we'll be finished up by 7 that evening. But that is coming up. Um, and I think that's all that I have for you at this time. The what? Choir. Today at 4 o'clock here in the sanctuary. Hi, Jesse. You're, he's a great bus driver. Y'all should know this. This man, he knows how to wheel that thing down the road. Got it. All right. This month is Pastor Appreciation Month, and a couple of three Sundays ago, while you were out running and swimming and being an Iron Man, uh, we had a little planning and scheming going on while you were not here. And so today, uh, we would like to take just a few minutes to recognize you and tell you how appreciative. We are for all that you do here at Rosebower Baptist Church, Brother Justin. And uh, I'm going to read from the script here. Uh, <laughs> and I tell you what, this, uh, this invitation moment here in the baptismal service has just provided a great segue for the rest of the service here. Uh, <coughs> uh, these words were not penned by me, but I'm telling you, the person that penned them knew what they were talking about because this is the truth in so many ways. Thank you, Brother Justin for praying for Rosebower Baptist Church and its members and for serving us in so many ways, for visiting, for calling, texting, for celebrating with our joys and grieving with us and our sorrows, for being willing and available. Thank you for teaching us from God's word, for seeking the Lord on our behalf to find out what he wants us to to hear. Thank you for studying and preparing. Thank you for encouraging us to be a church that serves. Thank you for creative outreach ideas and for partnering with others in sharing God's love and word. We love you and your family. Thank you, Brother Justin. Thank you so very much. And we are also going to take this opportunity to thank our other leaders as well. Howie Greer, come on up here, brother. <laughs> we are thankful for Howie, who leads our church in music and worship. Uh, this is not part of the script, but brother, I just I marvel at the songs that you and the team select that have such powerful messages uh, in them. And I just, I just marvel at that. But just thank you so much. For all that you do, you always point, point us to Christ and you encourage us to praise him for who he is and for what he has done for us. Thank you, Brother Howie. But stay up here. Stay up here. Stay up here. Thank you, Brother. Brother Jimmy, come on back up here, Brother. And by the way, don't get my bus dirty Wednesday night, okay? <laughs> This old guy worked hard on that. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, we today we've seen uh, the fruits of the labor from these next two leaders. Brother Jimmy, we are thankful for you who teaches our youth and plans activities for them, who accompanies them to camp and discipleship weekends and works alongside them in mission opportunities. He prays 
for Rose Bowers' youth and is instrumental in leading many of them to Jesus, as we've seen here today. Thank you so much, brother. And, of course, the energetic Michael Woolley, our, our children's leader. Now, I'm going to pick on Michael just for a second. Uh, he's not a spring chicken anymore, but, man, he has got, he's got the most energetic uh, persona about him when he is leading uh, the children and the children's groups. And, uh, Michael, we thank you so much for leading and teaching our children uh, we know that your heart and passion are for the young ones who are among us to know God in his word. He is creative and energetic and spends countless hours planning for the many children's programs and events to make Christ known, often reaching to parents as well. Thank you so much. Uh, we are blessed by our team of leaders and their families. God uses each of them uniquely to serve and point us to Christ. Let us lift them up in prayer, not only today and not only for the rest of this month, but always remember to lift up our church leaders. And Brother Justin, if it's okay, I'm going to say a prayer and dismiss us. Is that okay? All right, all right. Let's all, let's all stand. <coughs> Okay, and Ian and Brayden go to the back and looky here. We've got we've got some stuff. Y'all can go ahead and just set them up here. I don't want you to have to stand there and hold all of that. <laughs> uh, we we've started uh, studying Colossians today in Sunday school, and I encourage each of you, if you're not involved in Sunday school, please come and learn more about God's Word. And I'm going to start this prayer by including some words from the first chapter of Colossians. Let's all bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that Brother Justin, Brother Howie, Brother Jimmy, and Brother Michael may each be filled with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that they may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Dear God, may we, as we go from this place now, always remember to have these four men on our hearts and pray for them and pray for their families. We pray that you would put a hedge of protection around their families. We just thank you so much for them. As we leave here now, dear Lord, we just want to say thank you for the wonderful service we've seen today. Thank you for another profession of faith that's been made today. And we give you all the honor and glory. For we pray these things in 